Uh, great to be with you all today. How are you doing? Um, this first image on the screen, um, I thought you might like to see this because this is the front door to our house. There is a technique, however, in locking it. Of course you would think in the normal course of events you just lift the handle, turn the key, door locked. Not so with this door. That is how it should happen. However, what I have found is you effectively have to wrestle with it. Because somehow you've got to jiggle the key in the lock and lift the handle even against the natural resistance that is there until the key will actually turn and the door is locked. And so today, we are going to consider a Bible character called Jacob, and in particular, an episode in his life when he had to wrestle. But I feel I need to add a word of caution here, because... I'm wondering how many people here might feel a little uneasy with the concept of wrestling with God. Because I'm going to explore that a little with you today. Now, I love it when people's names somehow seem to reflect something of what they do. So this next image, um, it just caught my attention. I thought, really? Les McBurney of the fire department? Or what about this next one? Dr. Ashley Seawright, who is an eye specialist. That's great, isn't it? And uh, one more for you. I like this one, if you can spot it. You kind of want to say Miss C-sharp of the music department. It's great, isn't it? And the reason I say this is because I wonder what Jacob thought of his own name. He was born the second of twins and was given the name Jacob, which directly means follower. After all, he followed his elder brother, out of the womb. <laughs> and that name includes with it the meaning of replacer or supplanter. And by connotation, also the meaning of deceiver. And so to my point, did Jacob ever say to his parents, thank you for giving me the name deceiver? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? The trouble is, he turned out to be a bit of a rotter. In fact, he deceived his father. He robbed his brother of the paternal blessing. More than that, the birthright. And ended up running away from home and having his own brother Esau after him for revenge. Now that's a very quick backstory. I wanted to set that scene because years have passed by 
And God has told Jacob to go back home, go back to your family. And Jacob begins his journey home when this happens. And I'm reading now from Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives... Yeah, two wives. Now that raises another question, doesn't it? But that's not relevant for us today. And actually, we will touch on that element of Jacob's story later, just in a few weeks' time. So he took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons, wow, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, He sent over all his possessions, so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And our reading today finishes with a fun fact. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. And I must confess to you, it has been a long time since my evening meal has consisted of hip socket tendons myself. Now, I know this comes across as a little bit bizarre. But this is how this verse reads. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Just think about that for a moment because I can't help wondering what has happened here that results in that narrative. Jacob is on his own. He sees a person... And they wrestle with each other. It's not the usual thing you do when you encounter a stranger. Or is it? (laughs) Probably not. But maybe the wrestling isn't so strange after all. Because would I be right in saying we all wrestle with something in our lives. 
And if that's true, I wonder how you would answer the question, what are you wrestling with just now? Pause, have a think. What are you wrestling with just now? Of course I can throw out some examples. You know, is it, is it your health? Is it your job? Is it the lack of a job? Your children? Your bills? That's a thing at the moment, isn't it? The cost of living crisis. A difficult person? Your well-being? A relationship? Maybe... A sin, a habit, something that's not good that you're you're wrestling with. I mean, those are examples. Maybe yours is something not in any of those. But there's the question for all of us. What are we wrestling with just now? And let's make some comparisons in terms of our wrestling with this story that we have read. Did you notice, for example, that Jacob wrestled through the night? So how many times do we find our own wrestling kind of a night experience? It's us not being able to see clearly. There's an absence of light. And it is hard. It's in the middle of the night and we long for daybreak. So does our wrestling feel like that night experience? But I wonder also if there's something else here that might resonate with us. Because it seems to me that it was towards the morning or even as day was breaking that the question arises, who are you? What is your name? And again, I kind of wonder what's really happened here. Here are these two people wrestling with each other through the night. And it's not until the morning that the question arises, and by the way, who are you? (laughs) What's your name? And the reason I feel that this might resonate is because I'm wondering... If people are in a similar situation, you are wrestling with something in your life, but you're not even sure what it is. You can't give it a name. You can't define it. Um, It kind of escapes you. And you know that things are not right in your life, but you can't kind of give it a name. But you know you're wrestling thinking what am I struggling with what is it I just wonder if there's something there so what can we learn from this story and from this Genesis person Jacob because we do need to explore this I see however strange this account appears this wrestling has actually resulted in three key outcomes in Jacob's life. And I think that these outcomes can be our experience. First of all, there was blessing. Secondly, this was actually an encounter with God. 
And lastly, the experience resulted in a transformation in Jacob's life, even a new name. Now, I don't think we particularly welcome or invite the struggle, the hardship, the wrestle. And yet somehow the blessings that do come, either because of the struggle or in spite of the struggle, are often those that we would not have had otherwise. Yet we don't welcome and invite the struggle, but there are blessings that can come out of it. Now that can be a hard pill to swallow. Johnny Erickson Tada is a Christian lady She's 73 years old. At the age of 17, she had a diving accident, which left her paralyzed from the shoulders down. Now, I can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like to have an almost lifelong condition like that. But she wrote a book. And the book is called A Place of Healing, Wrestling with the Mysteries of Suffering, Pain, and God's Sovereignty. And in this book, book, she wrote these words. My wheelchair was the key, especially since God's power always shows up best in weakness. So here I sit, glad that I have not been healed on the outside, but glad that I have been healed on the inside. I mean, really? Would I ever have said those words if I were in her position? How can any of us know? But she also said this. Think about this. A broken life in the hands of God is ripe for blessing. Jacob has been wrestling with this stranger. And as day breaks, he refuses to let this man go unless he receives a blessing. And in our wrestling, whatever that struggle that we face, goodness me, how many different kinds of wrestling are represented in this room, I wonder. Whatever the struggle we face, I believe we can ask for and expect God's blessing. Do you agree? That we can, in spite of the struggle, because of the struggle, the wrestling in our heart, the wrestling in our lives, can we ask for God's blessing? Can we expect God's blessing? I think we can. Why do I say this? Because I refuse to believe that God is a bystander just watching on, wondering, I wonder how they'll get on. You see, when we cry out in our wrestling, in our struggle, when we cry out to God, when we ask for his help, when we ask for a solution to the situation, when we cry and call upon his name, God will come in with his power and his presence. 
And we can have hope. We can have confidence that all things will work for good, even though it is difficult to see what that looks like. And I want to suggest that this struggle, this wrestling, Jacob and this other person, was not random. It wasn't accidental. In Jacob's situation here, this was an encounter with God. Somehow the one who was at first a stranger became recognized by Jacob as God himself. I mean, was this an angel from God? Was this the Lord himself? It's just that Jacob's own conclusion, whatever the case may have been, is I saw God face to face. But I wonder if I can wonder some more here. What if when Jacob first saw this man, he didn't feel like a stranger? What if at the start, Jacob knew within himself that there was something familiar in this person, this stranger? He knew that it was right to engage with this person. He sensed something of God's presence. You see, we're filling in lots of gaps that are there in the story, uh, and we're using our imagination. I've wondered a lot about this story, and I'm just wondering if this wasn't quite like a perfect stranger, but somehow there was a recognition in this person, and Jacob knew this was someone to engage with. This was someone to wrestle with. He sensed something of God's presence. I mean, to life, he, to date, his life has borne fulfillment of his name. Deceiver, replacer, supplanter. He, he's been fulfilling that name in his actions and his behaviors and how he's lived his life. But now he has grabbed hold of God and wrestled with him. And this God encounter was important. It was significant. It was a real turning point for Jacob. And in your struggling, in my struggling, whatever that might be, we may well feel we need to wrestle with God. Right back to the beginning when I said, look, be cautious because I'm asking this. Does it make you feel a little bit uneasy? The whole concept of hang on a minute, Derek, are you really telling me that we need to wrestle with God? Surely that that's not a thing. How can we wrestle with God? And dare I say, not as our opponent. And it's difficult to find the right language. You know, I wondered, you know, is it more a sparring partner who's going to help us? Who's going to give us strength, one that we can have faith in, one we can trust? But this is my thing. It feels like wrestling to me when I have questions and I want answers which do not come. That feels like wrestling. Or I'm making my requests and it seems that I'm not getting what I'm asking for. That feels like wrestling. Or when we want an end to the struggle, whatever that struggle might be, and the end just doesn't seem in sight, that feels like wrestling 
to me. It feels like a fight. I pray. I ask God for things. I ask for things to stop. I ask for things to begin. I ask for answers. And sometimes they don't come quickly, readily, obviously. And it feels like a fight. I hope I'm not the only one in this room who's thinking, well, it feels like a fight. Because haven't we all been there? And it's almost like, God, why, why does it feel like I'm wrestling with you? I pray, I ask, I expect, I trust. But it's still hard. I'm still struggling. I'm still wrestling. Why? It feels like wrestling. I'll be dead honest with you here. One of the biggest challenges in my life, along with my wife Angela, was when we experienced infertility. For eight to nine years of married life together, we knew we were meant to be parents. Our heart was there, our longing was there, our desire was there, and it just wasn't happening. Now that was a struggle, that was a wrestle, that was a fight. Can you imagine how many times we prayed to God about that one? Days, weeks, months, years. It was a fight. It was a wrestle. Now that's just one example of a wrestle. And that's my example. One of my examples. It felt like wrestling with God. Because we prayed. We asked. We pleaded. And then when God rushes in with a very direct, here you go, you've asked for this. And now we've learned it's quite hard having children. <laughs> Feels like a long time ago. We look back over the whole life, years of infertility. We adopted a lad. We had a lad born naturally to us. How funny that the wrestling doesn't stop. It was a different kind of wrestling, I'll tell you that. <laughs> please, please, please. In your wrestling, in your struggle, engage with God. Grab hold of him with all your might. Grab hold of him with both your hands. Don't let him go. And yes, wrestle with him, with the ask, with the request, with the heart response, with the pain, with the anguish. Wrestle with God, engage with him and be persistent. Keep on at it. Yes, I cannot promise you that your struggle will just end or end quickly or end in a way that you want it to change but it will make all the difference if you engage with God and encounter God in that struggle in that wrestling Jacob said I will not let you go unless you bless me
I love that Jacob's example here to us shows that he was transformed by his wrestling encounter with God. He was given a new name, and that's a real evidence of the transformation in his life. Jacob, you're no longer the deceiver. Let's get rid of that name. Let's get rid of that label, that tag, that identification. No longer Jacob. Israel. Your new name. Israel. Overcomer, if you like. The name Israel means you, you've, persevered, you've persevered with God. You've overcome. And to me, it doesn't feel like, you know, Jacob had a fight with God and Jacob won. That doesn't work. And that's not what we're seeing played out here. What we're seeing is Jacob encountered God, engaged with God, and God gave Jacob a way ahead. God gave him a way that was good, that was victorious. God gave him the new name. And now Jacob is ready because now we've got to get back to what was happening in the original story. Jacob is on his way home. He knows he's going to meet his brother. He knows his brother would want revenge. And he's ready now to meet Esau. And indeed Esau was just ahead of him. And having wrestled with God, Jacob feels ready to meet his brother. Is he going to have to wrestle with his own brother Esau? If Jacob feared for his life, thinking that his brother would demand revenge for what had gone before, now he's ready to meet him and face him because he's wrestled with God and he's got a new name. And in the event, what happened? Well, it comes out in the story. Esau embraced Jacob, hugged him. No vengeful sword was drawn. And it was all right. Forgiven, reconciled, a new name. Jacob had experienced transformation. But I wonder, in spite of all of that, did Jacob, now Israel, have that limp for the rest of his life? He certainly went away from that fight, that wrestle, with a limp. Did that limp stay with him for the rest of his time? Isn't it interesting? This is the Kintsugi story. Again. How many times has this come up? A broken pot. Mended. But the joins where the broken pieces were put together are visible and are now a beautiful feature of the object. You see, the scars tell a story. And they are part of the whole. The scars are an integral part of the transformation. And if we've wrestled and we've come out with a few wounds, a few scars, let's not be ashamed of that. I don't think we have to try and hide the scars or be defensive about the wounds or feel we have to explain it all. I think we can bear those scars and wear those wounds, if you like, and they'll always be the testimony, won't they? The story 
I wrestled with God. And all things are okay. After all, didn't Jesus bear the scars of the cross himself? The risen Jesus this is.